Hey guys, welcome back to another edition of Fanboy Theology. I'm Brett. I'm Chris. And today we're talking Harry Potter. So I know what you're thinking. Here are two Christian guys talking about a, a book and movie series about magic. And coming from the Christian world where we've, we've dwelt in for a very long time, yeah, it's a little bit faux pas to talk about it. But I, I want to I just emphasize one thing. I worked in Christian retail at one point, and there were so many times they would look behind me and talk about how when Lord of the Rings was coming out, how how dare you have those books up there? They talk about magic. They talk about elves. When they're slapping Chronicles of Narnia on the on the right. the, the cash register <laughs> and asking me, hey, how much? And it's guys, when we're talking about stories, the old stories and the lessons that they're teaching us, even in Harry Potter, there's a lesson and a morality in these stories that we can take out of it, even as Christians. Yes, magic is evil. I've never seen magic go in real life, but uh, I get it. If somebody's trying to delve into that, that's not something you want to do. And there's darkness and stuff that you really don't want to tap into, but... It comes down to the essence of what the purpose of story is. Story should be something that you read that causes you to question what you believe and examine those things and learn from them and make yourself a better person. Just even some of the principles like we're going to get into today of uh, Harry Potter, in case you haven't read it, he is he's in a world where magic is kind of behind the scenes. So it's a hidden reality. Yes. And look at look at the the world that even the Bible doesn't talk about as much. The spiritual reality that we're given in just little snippets in the Bible of that there's angels, there's demons, there's spiritual warfare going on. It's not a prevalent theme going on in the Bible, but it's still there. Here Harry Potter instead of concentrating on what quote unquote muggles were doing in that world, we're going to go and we're going to look behind the curtain in Diagon Alley in uh, Hogwarts in the the magic realm with the Minister of Magic and all this other stuff. It's not a perfect allegory for that, but it's just an example as a plot device of something that the Bible has as well. Yeah, it, it gives you a picture and a way to see something that that the Bible talks about. That is unseen. Yeah, it, it gives us a picture to look at and say, okay, I can now better imagine what the unseen spiritual world looks like because of the way that this is illustrated. Yes. And the other thing is Harry Potter, and let's go as quickly as we can in a summary. Harry Potter, uh, his parents die because of an evil wizard named Voldemort is coming after Harry Potter, Harry Potter's family, because there's a prophecy that somebody born on Harry Potter's birthday is going to defeat him. He's the only one with the power to do that. But when Voldemort goes to shoot Harry Potter with his wand, it bounces back and makes Voldemort's spirit dissipate. So he's no longer in corporeal form and can't further his agenda of killing all non-magic people or enslaving non-magic people. So Harry Potter is called the boy who lived by everybody in the wizarding realm, but Harry Potter ultimately grows up in the muggle world, in normal people world. So he is not growing up with fame, fortune, and all that other stuff that could really harm his heart, but instead he's plunged back into the wizarding realm for his first year at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry to then learn how to do magic. And in 
And if we go through the entire series in one sentence, it's Harry Potter learns the way to actually defeat Voldemort, which yeah. ultimately turns out to not be magic. Right. Well, and he also learns his whole history and the calling that he was kind of thrust into. Yes. And it's another another example of destiny and whether or not Harry Potter wants to choose that destiny. And there's very, there's a lot of times, more so in the book than in the movie, that Harry's constantly questioning, am I the right one for this? Am I, he's too powerful. How am I going to ever defeat him? Uh, but he, it's also mixed with Harry understanding and loving his friends enough to go off and do it on his own instead of putting them in harm's way. To a detriment, almost. He, he, yeah. There's plenty of times where Hermione should have been there and would have helped Harry kick the crap out of Voldemort or uh, whatever bad guy is coming up because she's got the intelligence and she's got the wit and can do that type of stuff. So ultimately, the story is a great example of chosen one mythology. The idea that in a story you have one character that has been chosen ahead of time to have this fate of defeating whatever evil or villain is there, and that villain is then competing against that person. Yeah, and we see that constantly from Greek mythology, from other movies even today of uh, Percy Jackson, Katniss Everdeen. It's one of the greatest story devices that there is. Sure, it's the hero's journey, pure and simple. And I would even say audiences are growing tired of it just simply because we're seeing it so much in the Divergent series. And, right. and it's almost a throwaway plot device now of, okay, why are we following this person? Ah, oh, it's the chosen one. You've got some stuff coming out now where it's almost like a rebellion against that. And yes. The chosen one really isn't chosen. It's somebody that just either stumbles in it or someone who absolutely does not want anything to do with. More often than not, that person is, possesses purity of heart. We see that very much so in Harry Potter in that he, he has grown up in such a life that he is almost thrust into this world, doesn't understand how anything works, has to be led by people all the time. And it, even we were just having a discussion before this of you really look at who is the antagonist? Who's the agent of change in Harry Potter? And I don't remember if we agreed or not, but... I want to say, because we have Hermione over here mm. who knows more about the Wizarding World even though she's a muggle or muggle-born, which I bet pisses off Voldemort to no end because here is somebody who is better than the Chosen One, more fit to be the Chosen One, and she's a quote-unquote mudblood, somebody who does not is not pure magic blood. In most Chosen One mythologies, there's usually a group of people that surround him and offer another perspective, and I, I think... If I am to put a pin on somebody who's the agent of change, it's Rubius Hagrid. In the sense of, he's the one who fills the role of father figure. He delivers Harry Potter to the doorstep of the Dursleys. He's there to deliver the actual letter to come to Hogwarts. Uh, they don't really get into this in the movie, but in the books, he's constantly inviting Harry over for tea to the point of every week, Ron, Hermione, Harry, come have tea with me. It's, yes, all of these characters give a perspective of the magic world, but Hagrid is the one who brings Harry through his biggest change. To plunge him into the magic world, to, to bring him into Diagon Alley. Ron and Hermione aren't there yet, or aren't connected as much with him. I think you could make the argument, though, too, for Dumbledore being that agent, too. And that, okay, I remember our discussion now. Yeah, yeah that's where we left it. Of, yeah, because is it Dumbledore? He, or, 
Dumbledore puts so many things in Harry's path to purposely push him mm-hmm. and stretch him and almost get him into problems that he's going to have to work out. There's a huge trend now, especially in most of these Chosen One mythologies, of maybe it's not one person. It, there is always one agent of change. Whether or not I can identify them, it doesn't matter. But there is one. However, the big solution and it started in 90s television shows, I would say, of the solution is a group solution. It's never just the chosen one. Look, Ron had to sacrifice himself in the chessboard game. Hermione had to use her knowledge to get past one of the obstacles, Uh, more so in the books than in the movie. But Devil's Snare, they wouldn't have gotten past that without Hermione. The the message being, it takes a village still. Yeah. (laughs) And that... Yeah, Dumbledore is leading him along and guiding him, but also is Hagrid, so is Ron, so so is Hermione. And I think that is what breathes life into Harry Potter as opposed to other Chosen One stories that we're seeing now. Is it then, it it gets to the tired old, it's only one person. Yeah, it's no longer like a Chosen One, it sets up more of like a Chosen group. Yes. And then we see in... Uh, Harry Potter and uh, the Deathly Hollows. that ultimately, yeah, it, it is Harry Potter who has to stand alone, but look at what happens. He's not standing alone. He's got the Resurrection Stone and all of the people who have died for him to basically be stepping stones for the next one in his path, they're all standing there with him and help him mm-hmm. distract Voldemort for, for that meeting in the woods with all the Death Eaters. The other thing, which we already talked about a little bit, is this idea of the world within the world, the world behind the curtain, a better example of that of we could go on our whole lives without seeing any magic going on but the world of harry potter exists there still that i think is a poignant form of storytelling that has made a huge comeback since harry potter of it's there we see break-ins to the english prime minister and, and workings of government having knowledge of the harry potter universe but just going going about their normal day without actually acknowledging it or actually trying to hush it up in some cases. exactly. And that is usually what happens when conversations of the supernatural end up happening, of how much influence does angelic and demonic warfare have on our daily lives? Uh, The Bible doesn't even give us really that much of an answer. I mean, we see little things like in Daniel and, uh, what was it, 1 Kings. Yeah, with Elijah. And I'm not saying that there's a devil behind every rock, but to just be aware that not only are we going up against a physical world and a emotional flesh, we are also going up against a spiritual evil force. Right. We have a three-front war, but we treat it like it's a one-front. And that you can't be successful when you're living a life and not acknowledging who the enemy is. Well, even just not just saying like enemy, but how often do we really take a look at and acknowledge the spiritual forces just in our normal everyday life, the, the things that go on of, are we incorporating that spiritual aspect in the things that we do? Yes. Or are we just living our normal muggle life? And the difference, major difference being is that it's not blood that makes you who you are, proven by Hermione in this story, but in our story, the real story, it's always a choice. It's always in our hands what depth of faith we want, what uh, constitution we, we have and will that we have in order to f- fulfill our Christian duty in a moment-by-moment basis. 
Right. Well, I mean, and the whole, one of the big themes, I think, with Harry Potter is that the muggles don't want to acknowledge the yeah. spiritual. They don't want to acknowledge the the magic, yeah. the, that unseen realm. But those that do acknowledge it experience the world more as a whole and see things in a way that would be impossible to see it without that knowledge. And on that, I think the the problem with a lot of Christian movements today is a misidentification of the enemy. When we start pointing fingers at people, at governments, at taxation, at, at anything other than Satan, we then start venturing into a, a realm that completely plays haywire with our faith. Why do we want to be known as the people who are trying to get our tax bill down? How about we become the people who are known as the people who love? Because, look, we only have one direction that we get to go to as Christians when we are met with somebody who is our enemy, and that's to love them. Well, I think a lot of times we forget this verse in Ephesians 6 that says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We forget that, and we're so quick to attack individuals or institutions and not recognize the spiritual forces that are actually behind them. And yeah, we look at what Voldemort is doing in this book, and he's choosing to make the enemy muggle-borns or mudbloods in, in the derogatory term of that world. That then spurs on a movement of hatred, of hatred towards a group that is quote-unquote stopping this other group from living up to their full potential. And it, why? We know how that, we've read that book before. We've seen that movie before. We know how it ends. That is not what Christians are supposed to do. And when we start making human beings our enemy and not loving them, we no longer get to pick up the flag of Christianity on our decisions. And that is a huge burden, and I do not want to bear that, and I don't think anybody should want to bear that. Now we're out of the influence of the kingdom of God, and we're setting up our own kingdom. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, instead of pointing a finger at a person, we should be praying for them. We should be praying for the things that are going on that we don't see in their life that are leading them to act or behave in the ways that they are. And ultimately, we should be praying that they see the person of Jesus and that they come to that knowledge and understanding of the life that he is offering them. And we get the chance to be that example of the person of Jesus when we let the Holy Spirit live through our lives. Exactly. That's what we're called to do. And one last thing in talking about Harry Potter, this idea of the prophecy of the coming uh, person that will defeat Voldemort. And... and we have to acknowledge that without the Old Testament, we can't have Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies when the, as the Messiah is supposed to come. And we have a guide book on how to find that Messiah, and Jesus is the only one who fulfills all of them. And when he doesn't fulfill them, they're taken care of in the book of Revelation and in the end times. So in, in closing, and we're going to do plenty more on Harry Potter, uh, we're just talking about how uh, Chosen One mythology, it's been around for eons and it will be around forever because the hero's journey 
is pretty indicative of what the Bible's story is of mankind and its encounter with God. And then also uh, the the theological takeaway that we see in Harry Potter is this world behind the curtain that uh, Harry is, as Harry's being exposed to it through Rubius Hagrid, we are also being exposed to it for the first time of there is something operating behind the, the walls of our world that we can't see but yet the Bible also acknowledges it. And I encourage you to also acknowledge that and see what that means for you. Uh, don't, don't look at it as, okay, bust out your proton packs and start looking for demons everywhere. But just simply look at it in the sense of there's more to this world than what you are being met with. If somebody's yelling at you in the street because for whatever reason it is, just realize that there are other influences going on in their lives other than what you are just simply seeing. And and live your life that way. In other short words, it's walk in other people's shoes or be empathetic. Look at the struggles other people are going through. And that's ultimately the message of Harry Potter. Harry never loses his purity of heart no matter how much stuff he went through, how and for many family members he lost or friends that get killed, he is still he still walks up to Voldemort at that final battle and he still has the purity of heart to defeat him. And also, I mean, with Harry Potter, you have the picture of a boy who was almost killed by an unseen world, but lived in spite of it. And through that, we have the same opportunity. Satan wants to kill us he wants to destroy our lives but through knowing that that unseen world is there we too can live so we will uh be putting on our blog fanboytheology.com applications to join up for the order of the phoenix so if if you would like more information on that i'm just kidding don't go on there there's not going to be an application but there is going to be a blog post uh, as we go in deeper and talking about subjects we will also be getting into for Harry Potter because there is a saga of books and movies including a uh, theatrical stage play that just came out last week so oh, and the movie that's coming out and another movie Later this oh year. yeah I forgot Fantastic Beasts with uh, freaking Eddie Redmayne it's gonna be awesome so again check out the website fanboytheology.com I'm Chris I'm Brett and we'll see you next time a promise. <laughs>